Sandwiches with your hosts, Nate Dog and Connor Freakman Henry. Welcome to the first week of Scrubs and Savages. Connor, how you doing today, man? I'm doing all right, brother. Happy to be here. This is the start of an era, and I can't wait. We're going to jump right into this then. So quick reactions, off-the-cuff responses to draft day. What do you think? What are your thoughts? How are you feeling going out of the draft? Well, personally, <laughs> I mean, I feel pretty damn good, as always. But, you know, it's easy to look good when you're surrounded by... Ah, what I call my teammates in this league. Okay, fantasy football players, but you know what? (laughs) (laughs) This draft went, you know, I wasn't, not too many surprises. You know, a couple that I want to pick on here. First one, though, Dylan. Darren Waller at 18. Okay, I I picked Darren Waller in the fifth or sixth round last year, and as you know, I was a finalist in last year's (laughs) running second. Uh, second place to, you know, who the back-to-back uh, double champ. But not going to go down that road right now. But Dylan, Darren Waller at 18. Let's just name a couple of players who are picked after tight end Darren Waller. Patrick Mahomes. Joe Mixon. That's actually picked by him. So you know what? Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> George Kittle. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, Justin, Justin Jefferson and Chris Carson. I mean, buddy, it may pay off. It may pay off, but you know what? I have my doubts. I have my doubts, but you know what? Time will tell. What about you, Nate? Do you do you think he's accurate in picking Waller over Kittle going into the season? <sighs> I would personally take Kittle. George Kittle is a monster, and this is somebody I do like. Darren Waller, and I, I would have liked to have him on my team, but at eighteen, I mean, unless you're some sort of savant and you're just like, no, Darren Waller at eighteen, he's not Rain Man. He's not. So you know Not what? Yet. I just I just don't maybe it pans out, but you know what? If it does, a broken clock's right twice a day. Well, I have to I have to join you on that tight end train, I think, because one of the surprising ones for me is Kyle Pitts going number twenty six overall in our draft, rookie tight end out of Florida, going to the Falcons. I mean, the the people, as as you said, that were drafted after Kyle Pitts. So these are people who are supposedly less valuable. Mike Evans. Justin Jefferson, Chris Carson, and Keenan Allen. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent left on the board. And, I mean, Kyle Pitts is average getting drafted around 50. So we're looking at, like, 25 draft picks (laughs) over where he's usually getting picked. We'll see. It's a gamble. You know, I mean, he is. He's going to the Falcons where they lost Julio Jones. Maybe he ends up getting a bigger target share than they think or that we think he's going to get. Maybe he ends up kind of being a ball hawk. I don't see it. He's a rookie tight end, but it could be a gamble that pays off. Yeah, man. I is he really fifty average fiftieth selection? Because average, you know what? Average fifty. I do like Kyle Pitts. Like I think there could be value in Kyle Pitts, but at twenty six, that is high. We we're we're talk, third round, and just the names they said after. I just I just don't buy it, and I think he probably would have been there 10, 15 picks down the board. That's a reach. It could work out, but the value leave on the table. I don't know, but we'll see. Risky we'll business. Yeah. Uh, what about, how do you feel about Nick Chubb going number six overall? Like, like I said, I like Nick Chubb, just like I like those other picks, but that seems a little high. You know, 
Is he what running back would that have been taken? Number five running back? Is he the fifth best running back? And would he have been there in the second round? I don't know. Well, he splits carries with Kareem Hunt. Hasn't always been healthy. He is a monster. So you know what? I actually don't hate the pick, but I don't love it at six either. But I understand why he took it. So I know I know you you gave me some grief. Uh Saquon at eight. What do you what do you give me your honest thoughts? Saquon at eight. Nate Warren, if Saquon was there in round four and I was up to pick, I don't know if I'd pick him. I just have a bad feeling about some stuff, and everybody here, this kid is great. Guess what? This is the NFL, baby. This ain't Penn State. You know, eventually you gotta do the work. And I just I haven't seen from him. I you look at that guy's uh some of his gain stats for the last couple of years, it's nine carries for eight yards. That doesn't sound like championship football to me. Not on the field and not on the fantasy football field. So you know what? Not big on it. Could have had Devontae Adams. I got him the next pick. I was very happy when I saw Devontae Adams was on the board instead of uh, me getting left with Saquon, which I would have taken. I would have taken Aaron Jones at 10. And I'm surprised you didn't take Aaron Jones at 8 or Devontae Adams. But you are the champ, so... I'm still going to talk shit to you, but maybe we'll, I got we'll see how, it. Yeah, back. we'll see how it pays out. We'll see. I think I think he has the chance to bounce back and be. I mean, he's going to be the workhorse. They're still not a good football team, so they're going to keep trying to make, move the ball, and he's going to be the one to do that. That's true. That's true. Um, do you have any more for the draft? Because I I just have I have one bit of a a take left. Yeah, give me give me that take. My only last note was the fact that we moved the draft time for dylan we moved the draft time we're all sitting here well, this is planned we finally came to a conclusion on what day is going to be what time we're all in and here we are t-minus two hours or so three hours before the draft starts and all of a sudden it's like ah guys we might need to bump it like well seems like a bit of disrespect to me i do nay i think one thing about being a man is when people are waiting for you and you have a time commitment you show up on time nay you show up early you show, show up, up early, early to the draft room. You text everybody if you're going to be late. You text them days or weeks before. I don't want same-day crap. He knew he was going to be late, but he put the pressure on. And it's just like, were we really going to reschedule that whole day? Were we really going to make him auto-draft? No, we weren't because I could not go a whole year saying, oh, my auto-draft team, if I didn't auto-draft, I would be a champion. This was the year, guys. No, no. You were late. You know what? I didn't honestly mind that much moving it back because it didn't affect me personally too much. But <laughs> Dylan, come on. But I feel like I'm a bit a little harder on this podcast. Maybe this is just going to set the tone for the rest of the season. But next year, you're on time. Oh. There we go. And my last take for the draft. The biggest tragedy for the preseason for me was Tim Tebow being cut. Because I honestly believe somebody – would have drafted Tebow, not even in the late rounds, in the mid rounds, maybe even a little higher, because they been this guy, he's special. I watched him in Florida. I watched him win those national championships. This guy is a great tight end, and he's going to be scoring. Trevor Lawrence and quarterback. And you know what? I think that person would have been Josh McKibben. I think Josh McKibben would take Tim Tebow in like the fifth round. He's like, you guys don't understand. This guy's a great athlete. He's a great athlete, great guy, great character. And you know what? I thought that would that would have been funny. And that would have made my draft day. I would have given up my first round pick just to <laughs> see somebody draft Tebow in the middle rounds. Oh, that's how funny it would have been. 
But you know what? He got cut. He's not getting picked up. Maybe next year. Yeah, he's got God on his side, so you never know what's going to happen there, dude. You never know. You never what's know. Gonna happen. Anything's possible. All right. Well, let's jump into uh, where these final standing predictions are uh, right now. We can run through the projections. Projected number one, end of season, the reigning champs. That's my team. Can't say I'm surprised there. Got to be honest. This is my three-peat. We're, we're running it back again this year. We jumped down. Freak man, you were number two. And then it went to Mike Hunt. And there's a little overtake there. Uh, Josh picked up the Dolphins, and he moved up into the two spot. What do you think? What are your thoughts on that? It's the ESPN... Uh, estimated uh, final stands projections. And as good as a team that Josh has, I have 100% faith in him that he'll eventually fuck it up. So, am I worried? No. Will I get the number one seat? No. Will I get the two? Maybe not. Will I be in the playoffs? And will I win a playoff round? You bet your ass I will. So, this team's not bad. My team's not bad. They seem to be neck and neck. Uh, we're estimated about have the same... Uh, Projected uh, final scoring for a week one matchup. So, you know, him again bumped up. Any, not scared. You have any dark horse candidates who are kind of lurking down there in those lower projections that you're a little worried about? I do. I do. There's there's a couple that there's potential if a couple if a certain couple players go off on the team, I feel like we could all be in trouble. Now, I don't actually think this dark horse is actually going to make it through and see the light. I think this horse is going to break an ankle like in the second to last week of the season. And because he can't be bad for two or three years in a row, I think that dark horse is Jason Lynch. This team has potential. I love DK Metcalf. I like Robinson. Elliot, I think there's, I think he could still have it. We'll see what this Dallas offense. Last year wasn't the best year for him. He got robbed of a lot of goal line carries. He, didn't, he got stopped on the one this year. I think he pushes them in this year. So I do think the dark horse is Jason Lynch. I think he makes it almost all the way to the playoffs. But like I said, that horse is breaking an ankle out of the turn. Oh. <laughs> what about you, Nate? I got I got Mr. Young-Ho, Cole Bartlett. Uh, right now, actually projected number eight. Seems a little low. I like his team. I mean, this is a guy who's in the playoffs Every every year so far, I think he's going to bring the heat. I mean, I think I think Young Ho is going to come out swinging. Um, now we have to be a little curious about Team Sleepy. I mean, we got Isaac coming in year one, first year in the league, and he's projected not. So we don't know how that's going to go. I mean, he drafted three tight ends, so I think that might <laughs> be a little bit of a reason why he's down there in the deeper trenches but maybe that's going to work out for him maybe he's trying to get some trade ships or you know stock up on if two different tight ends get hurt and he has a third option i don't know might work out for him i'm curious to see how that goes moving forward yeah yeah who knows you know three tight ends is a bold choice you know you got you got a good draft pick you know cook was there for him Dalvin cook that guy can carry your team that guy can carry a mediocre team to the playoffs but there's a reason he's a dark horse and you know, we're not talking about one of the top guys, so we'll see. Now, for Young Ho, consistent in the first two years. Great team last year. Solid team. Um, and he has Tyreek Hill on the team this year. And I had Tyreek on my team last year, and that guy is a motherfucking baller. And I think he's going to ball out again. 
And I, if that guy's on your team, I think you can make a real run at anything. Um, Keenan Allen as well. You know, so I was surprised to see that he was projected so far low down the standings. I do think he definitely climbs up. We'll see if he can uh, make it all the way. Hot take. All right. Tyreek Hill has more receiving yards than Devontae Adams this year. I don't think that's super hot. I don't think that's super hot, actually. I think that's... uh, Lukewarm? I'd say it's a little lukewarm. You know, a little bath water that's been sitting there for an hour or two. You know, you know. Um, I think those two guys are the top receivers in the league. You know, when I picked Devontae Adams, I considered picking Tyreek as well. Devontae sure gets a fair share of touchdowns and... um, a lot of that offense goes through him. But, yeah, we'll see. But I think Tyree Kill, that guy could – he anytime he touches the ball, wherever he is on the field, he can break it. So that guy's dangerous. We'll see. Not wrong. All right, well, then let's go off of these uh, projections and give me what you think are your way-too-early playoff predictions for this league. doesn't have to be in the seed order, but give me the four teams you think are walking into the playoffs this year. All right, all right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start uh, with number one, and this isn't just me just sucking up to you or anything. I do got the reigning champs um, as the number one seed, and I'm gonna tell you why, man. It's you played fantasy football for two years and you've won twice. And I thought the first year you caught a bit of luck, and I did talk some shit about that. And then last year you won again, and you did beat me in the finals pretty easily too. I was like, well. Kind of, you kind of shut me up there. So you know what? You're the reigning, defending, the double champ. I'll take it. I think I think you have, and I like your team, and ESPN thinks so too. You know, I, I when I clicked on the final stands projections, I saw reigning champs at number one. I was just fuck sakes again. But so I do think that holds through the regular season. I do think you get the number one seed playoffs. Anything can happen. Number two, I gotta go with your boy, me. It's hey, there it is, freak me. man. Now I'm sure how the seedings uh, actually work. The division winners get number one and number two. So I think I actually will be the three seed. Um, and that takes me to the winner of the – what division are we again? West. We are We're in the west. east, so the west is the other so side. So the west. The winner of the west. Maybe the hottest take in fantasy football history. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I looked at the teams, and I've talked more shit to this individual and his fantasy football abilities than any other fantasy football player I know. And I know Dylan. And I'm talking more shit about this guy <laughs> and his fantasy football team. I think Josh McKibben wins the West. I that think is a hot it. take. That's I, a hot take. That's a hot take. And earlier I said I'm 100% um, com- uh, confident in that he'll be able to fuck it up. I still think this guy, I looked at the team, I looked at the players. I think he gets it done this year in winning the West. Do I think he has? The t- I, do I think he's winning the title? Hell no. Playoffs are a different beast, bud. When you get there, you'll realize it's a different animal. It's called a postseason for a reason. But regular season, I got Josh McKimmon on that, uh, that win the West at the two seed. And then the last spot, I went back and forth on this a couple times. I Like I said, I like Jason Lynch as the dark horse. I thought maybe this is the year that Dylan stops getting a bunch of bad beats and he makes it in. But I'm a gambler. I'm actually going to go with the safe choice this year. I'm going to go with Young Ho. I think once again he gets in the playoffs. His team's not bad. Like I said, I like Tyreek Hill, and I think he gets in at the four seed. So wow, my okay, picks. okay, I like what that, about you, sir. So I also have myself coming in right there at number one. 
maybe that's overconfident. Maybe we're gonna look back on this podcast and I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to catch some flack for it. But I feel good. We're looking in we're looking into year three and I feel like I'm gonna run through it. Uh number two coming in. I have Young Ho coming out the West. I have, okay. you know, like I said, I he's got a good team. He's kind of my dark horse pick, you know. He's down there at eight right now, but I think he's gonna come through, win the West. He'll be right there in the playoffs. Then I got you at three coming through with the same squad. We're looking at a very similar Ooh. playoff matchup as we had last year. And I have to uh my my bold take here on this last playoff spot is actually gonna be the winner of the week one team via Padua versus I hate it here matchup. Whoever wins between Dylan and Armando in week one is going to clinch that four spot and make the playoffs. I'm calling it right now. I like that. I like that take. And you know what? I think that's a big matchup and I think it's big in the fantasy football realm. And I think it's big in our realm. For those who don't know, Dylan left in the middle of terms. He left. And not only did he just leave for something super important, he left for another fantasy football draft. This is Mondo's chance, the boss's chance, to put the beat down. And you know what? I'm tuning in. I'm going to be checking my game, as always, the scores, but I think I'm going to have their game up. I'm excited to see what happens. I think it's a close game. And I'm afraid if this game is close and then, you know somebody loses on a bad beat, maybe the gloves come on in real life. I'd love to ref that fight, boys. Let me know when you're ready. I'd love to ref it. I'll take bets, too. Take bets at the gate. So you know what? I do like that uh, prediction for that game will determine who is going to come out uh, or second place in that division. Well, side note then, who do you think? Uh, Armando in three? Real life? 12-ounce club? Oh, oh, in real life. I'm going to say this. In real life, I'd take Dylan. But if Mondo loses in the fantasy football match and he's hot at Dylan, I got Mondo uh, round three KO. Round three KO, Dylan out cold. I believe Mondo's anger and hatred towards his friend, his employee, and his roommate will manifest itself in just a nice right hook. And that's it. And you know what? Ball game. All right. Well, so then looking forward, are there any managers or players you don't want to face this season? Yeah, there's a couple. Um, to rehash on a point I've, you know, I've made already is I, you know, anytime I play Cole, I always feel like I usually lose by about like five to ten points the game that I could win. Except in the playoffs last year, obviously round one, uh, one round one of that matchup. Um, but yeah, and again, it's you know that Tyree kill, that Tyree kill piece. I do feel. That that's uh, anything can happen, and you know that guy could have two hundred yards and three TDs before I know it, and I'm losing. Uh, what about you? Okay, I got I I'm I'm with you on the coal train. You know, I think Young Ho's got a great team, and it's not one that I'm super excited to go up against. But also, some somebody else we've already touched on a little bit. Jason, New Year, New Me. He's got a nice squad. I don't, you know, I'm looking down his squad, and I, I don't see a lot of holes there. Uh, I think I might have a couple questions on his bench, but, I mean, assuming everyone stays healthy, I think Jason is someone I do not want to see 
early on in the season. So I, I'm interested to see how that stacks up and how he moves forward through this year. Uh, but looking at it right now, it's not someone I want to find on the playoff streets. No, I would agree with that. You know, Metcalf, I think Metcalf's going to have a monster year. I think that Seattle squad's going to win the Super Bowl. He's probably going to get Super Bowl MVP. We'll talk about that later in the postseason podcast. But, yeah, I do think uh, Metcalf, Robinson, I think Lamar's actually going to have a decent year. I I wouldn't want to see Jason either. Um, I'm going to throw another one out there for you, too, and that is Mike Hunt, Josh McKibben. One reason, one big reason, Eckler. I think that guy, if he stays healthy, has the potential to be Alvin Kamara-ish. And yeah. I consider drafting him very, very early. Call it lack of balls or whatever. I didn't, and he got him. And I think Eckler, we could be looking back and be like, wow, what a value pick. And I could see him being a top five draft pick next year. And that yeah. alone makes me a manager slash player that I do not want to match up with in the regular season. He got him at 16, too. I think I, I look back on it, and I was like, oh, wow, yeah, that was a good – I think that's a good value pick. He got Austin Eckler at 16. I think that's – I think it's a strong choice. I like him over, you know – I mean, I think I compare him to Jonathan Taylor. I looked into that a little bit before I picked Jonathan Taylor at 13. I, I thought about shooting my shot on Eckler, and one of the only reasons I didn't is because we do not play in a PPR league. So Eckler, obviously, is going to get a lot of receiving looks. He's great out of the backfield. I like Jonathan Taylor more as a non-PPR runner, and we'll see if that holds up down the line. But I think Eckler at 16 is a very strong pick. I agree with that take for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, assuming he could stay healthy, which is always, you know, in this league is a big assumption. But, yeah, strong pick, and... I like that player. I mean, speaking of, speaking of Mike, Mike Hunt, uh, over under on total trades and acquisitions that you think Josh McKibben is going to make this year. Give me a, give me an over under number that we could talk about that you think how many trades is this man going to compete and how many, you know, acquisitions is he going to pick up off that waiver wire? Totally. Well, last year was just astronomical. I've never seen anything like it. The impulsiveness I and just action action and reactions to his team. Somebody has a bad week, shipped, gone. Never want to see you again. You're cut. I've never seen anything like it. And it was fascinating to watch that ship burn and sink into the ocean. That was honestly the highlight of my year. Just watching Josh... Trade his team away. And a lot of good players. Thank you for DeAndre Hawkins, Josh, by the way. And just watch that. Because you know what? The other nine of us players just joined together and watched that go down. I can't remember how many trades it was. I think it was something in the 40s. That is outstanding. But I'm going to give you the two numbers for his over-under trade. If we weren't talking about it and making such a big issue about him trading... I would say that guy's going to have another 18, 19 trades. I put it at 18 and a half, which is extremely high. But now that we're talking about it, he is going to be so hesitant to pull the trigger. He's going to be like a drug user looking at that heroin. He's like, <laughs> I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need it. He's going to slip up a couple times. Maybe they're good trades. Maybe, probably not. Maybe they are. I'm actually going to go a little lower than I would like to. I'm going to put the over-under at five and a half trades for Josh McKibben this year. Five and a half trades. That is five and a half. That's a low, hot take. 
I do think he is a little more active on the waiver wire. I say he probably picks up, picks up and drops. I don't know, 15, 15 players this year off the waiver okay. wire. So we're, we're maybe um, looking. Yeah. We're maybe looking at like twenty, twenty combined between trades and acquisitions. Yeah, yeah. I do think the Woo! trade number is significantly lower just because his buddies have given him shit for, and rightfully so, for a whole year on it. You know, I I almost kind of think it's going to go the other way. I think there's going to be a middle finger involved, and I think this man is going to execute in the ways that he needs to execute or wants to execute. And I'm going to put the number at 18 trades, and I'm going to wow. put the and I'm going to put the acquisitions number at 35. So I think this man's going to be active. I think this team's going to be evolving. Uh, I think that he's hungry to get back into the playoff spot, and I think he's going to stay more active than not to get there. That's still a high number. I'd hammer that over. I'd only hammer t- that over. I mean, sorry, I'd hammer that under. Only time will tell. <laughs> only time, only time will, will tell. tell. Well, to close this up, we're going to pick our week one scrub and savage predictions. Now, we don't have any games to recap this week, any matchups, so we're going to look forward a little bit and just pick who we think is going to come out ahead as a savage and who's going to be a scrub for week one. Uh, I'll start. I'm going to pick my savage to be Lamar. You know, he he went really high with Kyle Pitts at 26, and I think that's going to make or break this team. I think if Kyle Pitts comes out as a tight end one who's competing with like Kelsey or like is going to get just ridiculous numbers, then Kyle Pitts is going to make his team and he is going to come out as a savage and a winner at week one. Flip side, this tight end thing, like we said, it, it, it concerns me a little bit. So I'm going to have to go with my week one scrub team sleepy Isaac. Coming into the league, you drafted three tight ends. I don't know how it's going to work for you. That's where my scrub prediction is going to go for week one. Both of these things could be reversed. They could prove me wrong. Uh, you know, Pitts could could eat the pits and that team could tank. I don't know. We'll see. Moving forward, that's my week one prediction. Lamar's a savage. Isaac's a scrub. I like it. I like it. I'm going to go a different direction, though. My savage of the week, I'm going to go Jason motherfucking Lynch. I like his, like I said, he is my dark horse. I like the team, but I really like his team's week one matchups. DK and the Seattle Seahawks at Indy. Call me a Seahawks homer. I think Indy's not going to be as good as we think, and I think that Seattle offense with the new offensive coordinator is just going to be shredded. I'm predicting DK two touchdowns, at least 150 yards uh, for that week one matchup. I think he just destroys the Indianapolis Colts. And I like the other matchups, uh, too. I like Robinson playing Houston. Houston's going to be a dumpster fire. They're probably going to be the last team in the league. So I like Robinson, and I like the rest of the lineups as well. I got Jason Lynch as my week one savage. Now to the scrub. Well, don't worry. There were a lot of candidates out there for <laughs> all those teams. It was tough to pick who. And I'm actually going to go with Nick, whose team is just Team Ellington. Let's get a name here, bud. Let's get a team name. Um, I don't like his matchups. I love Patty Mahomes. I don't. I like this Cleveland team. I think this Cleveland team has a good defense. I don't think the Chiefs actually start out razor and flashing hot as they usually do. And you know, we all love Derrick Henry as well. I don't know if he's going to have that. You know, typical Derrick Henry. You know, two hundred rush yards, three TD game in Week One. So 
They do have Lockett against the Colts, and I did say I like the Colts, uh, or I like that matchup against the Colts. But overall, not a big fan of the lineup, not a big fan of the matchup. My Bucket. scrub of the week is Nick. Bucket. Well, that's it then for week one. We're going to keep you all updated moving forward as we get deep into this fantasy season. As always, it's your man, Nate Dog here with your boy, Connor, the freak man, Henry. It's been a pleasure, sir. Looking forward to a long, good, successful season, and I'll see you in the finals. Hey, we'll see you guys in the finals. See you next week, everybody.